0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome into a Victory Monday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your man, Matt Miguez, here, the world's biggest LSU fan now, apparently, uh, according to Twitter. Just a a, a diehard tiger. Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most, James Mesh, is sitting in the studio. James, good afternoon. Is my tiger fandom rubbing off on you?
2: Yeah, it's oozing right now. Yeah, it's, it's just everywhere. I knew when I first met you, I was like... Oh, he's a Cajun. He does a raging Cajun review podcast. He was the one who made it, but deep down, he's a tiger. He's he. I'm a tiger. Yeah, he's a tiger. Hold, hold he's just hold that hold he's just that tiger, you. baby.
1: Hold that tiger. There it is. Oh my god. Okay. So give, now give the Coach O impression. Now now, <laughs> go tigers. There it is. Now that that's over.
2: Now can we put this silliness away? James, how was your weekend, bud? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it.
1: It was it was a good weekend. It, it was bad. it was a good weekend.
2: I mean, Friday, I I got off. We went to Fat Pats, the new one on Ambassador. Solid, solid. Yeah. And What'd you have at Fat Pats? I got a BLT.
1: Oh, okay.
2: A big a little, BLT guy. A little
1: basic, but okay. Well, I, I just... but No, but I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not against BLTs. I'm just saying when I go to Fat Pats, I'm thinking like, well, you don't like peanut butter, never mind. I'm thinking the peanut butter bacon burger. I don't know how or, I would feel about that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good so um, good because it's so special i i got in there a little after my
2: friends and they were they were a couple alcoholic drinks down they were doing ah. a, it was a buy two get one or like a oh, buy one get yeah. one so one they, they were just downing them right right and i was like well i don't feel like drinking but uh i'll come hang out and we were watching part of the pelicans game and then went to corner bar and then we went to uh we went to the youngsville complex and hitting the batting cages at one thirty in the 1:30 morning 30 in the morning yeah
1: you know what I was doing at one thirty in the morning?
2: You're probably you're probably uh sleeping.
1: I was just walking into the door. Nice, actually, um, because since the Pelicans game didn't start till nine, it didn't end till eleven thirty. Didn't get out of post game till twelve fifteen, and then by the time I got out of New Orleans, which crazy story, as I'm driving out of New Orleans, there was a wrecked car blocking a lane of I ten in New Orleans. that I almost hit. because it was dark and I didn't see the car coming. like I was, in front of they me. didn't
2: yeah, they probably didn't have their lights on.
1: I was I was all the way in the right lane cuz I had just gotten onto the I10 from the Superdome. and literally taking up the like it, it was sideways taking up the lane.
2: <laughs> it was it, oh, it was sideways. It right. wasn't even it wasn't even how it was supposed to be. No.
1: Like, they were pointed left to right instead of up and down. Absolutely the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then people are behind me honking at me like, why are you stopped in the interstate? I said, I would love to ask the person that parked the car in front of me. (laughs) Sideways.
2: I didn't know we were parallel parking.
1: On I-10 in New Orleans at 1 o'clock in the morning. The wrong way. God. I I, sw- I swear, some people, man. Whoever
2: parked their car, can you please call the show three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. I'd like, I love an explanation.
1: I, I really, I really would because I'd, man, that, no man. Anyways, uh, Pelicans game was fun. First playoff game experience was was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to meet the Cajun Cannon Bobby A That was pretty cool. Uh, got got to got to walk into the Smoothie King Center with him.
2: What was his attire? <laughs>
1: He he was for sure the most underdressed in in the press box, and, and you and you were worried about being underdressed, right? I I wore, I, I didn't wear this exact outfit, but I wore you know something very similar to this, and, and I felt underdressed because I walked in and there's guys wearing suits and you know sport coats, and I'm like, oh well, maybe maybe I should have dressed up a little bit better, but anyways, and, and here comes here comes Bobby in A. Bear, you know in a Pelicans t-shirt and some blue jeans. Just Pelican's T-shirt and blue jeans. Plain and simple. Nothing else. No. You see, it'd have been one thing if he'd rocked the T-shirt and then had like a little blazer over it or something. Like something to dress it up a little bit. That, nope. that casual dressy? No, nope. Just just T-shirt. Just T-shirt. But hey, you know when you're the cage cannon, you can probably do whatever the heck you want, right? It's whatever. Yeah, you know what who you cares? want. Um, we know who you're rooting for. Right. Right. Um, the game was good. I mean, if Chris Paul doesn't score 19 in the fourth quarter... And Jackson Hayes doesn't get ejected for murdering Jay Crowder? I mean, let's be honest. That was, a, that was horrible on Jackson Hayes' part. Horrible. How did you even think that that was remotely okay to push the man 30 feet when you were 50 feet away from the basket? I mean, Jackson Hayes, if you watch the replay, he went full extension to shove Jackson to shove Jay Crowder out of the way. I mean, absolutely just horrible decision making by by Jackson Hayes and it was a consensus observation from all the media members in the press box from the second the play happened that Hayes was getting ejected. Like it was so bad when they went to review it, right? You know how they usually like replay the plays on the Jumbotron? Smoothie King Center never did. Never once they knew how bad it was like, they never mm, replayed it may may not want to put that back up there. it the the screen said replay center review the whole time never never showed anything which that's not
2: his first time uh lashing out physically on a player right right um which we we knew whenever Jackson was drafted we knew he was a little on the mature mm-hmm. side maybe a little more than a little or or but,
1: or on the immature side should you say
2: Yeah, we knew he was a little immature, and it felt like he's gotten some growth, but he still has those moments where he gets super emotional and fights back, and unfortunately,
1: can't do that right now. No, no, not in the playoffs, definitely can't do that, because I I firmly believe that if Jackson Hayes plays four quarters of that game, Pelicans are probably up 3-1 right now. And you'd have your punishment. And I'd have my punishment from Ton. yeah. I, I I do believe the Pelicans would be up three one in the series. I wonder if Ton
2: hit the Rudy Gobert angry Frenchman stomp as soon as he saw <laughs> they
1: they went down. But no, man. I mean, and, and people are talking about how poorly the Pelicans played. I don't think they played poorly. I, I thought they played well Friday night. I mean, they didn't do all that God, bad. It wasn't in- Ingram. Ingram scored thirty four. McCollum had, I want to say he had twenty five. No, he had thirty. Was it I thirty? I think
2: Brandon Ingram had thirty four and. B uh yeah, and CJ had thirty. Yeah,
1: I mean when your top two players combine for, you know, sixty sixty four points, that that's not bad. Um I, I think if you control DeAndre Ayton a little bit, which Jackson Hayes probably would have done had he stayed in the game for four quarters. Look, Chris Paul Chris Paul's gonna do what he does. There's there's no ifs, ands or buts around that. Chris Paul shuts games down in the fourth quarter. That's been his M.O. his entire career. So 19 points in the fourth quarter from him didn't surprise me at all. If you control DeAndre Ayton a little bit in the second half, I think, I think Friday night's a different ball ballgame. Um, but regardless, Pelicans lose Friday night, bounced back last night with a big win. Saturday I got to go cover the, the LSU spring game, which is the, the joke behind our, our Twitter poll question of the day me being a soon to be UL grad am i am i a sellout for attending the LSU spring game that's the that's the joke behind the the poll question so far the math checks out so far 85% say that i am a sellout and 15% are asking what the hell because they're confused as was I when I was attacked on Twitter all weekend for attending the LSU game for work. Very interesting. Um, Regardless, Jake Madison is going to join us here in about six or seven minutes to recap Game 3 and Game 4, look ahead to Game 5 tomorrow night in Phoenix. James, I really believe that if the Pelicans can win Game 5 tomorrow night, that it's going to be a done deal, Game 6 in New Orleans.
2: That's fair. But what what is interesting is what I did see just a little while ago from Rod Walker. Okay, what's that? It was on April twenty eighth, 2011. The New Orleans Hornets hosted Lakers in Game 6 of the playoffs. It was also the first day of the NFL draft and the Saints had two first round picks and those ended up being Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram. Uh this year, April 28, 2022, the Pelicans will play the Suns at game 6 in New Orleans and the Saints have two first round picks. And it's funny cuz Cam Jordan replied to that and said conspiracy. So that that is interesting.
1: And and if you don't remember, the the Hornets did lose. They lost 98 to 80 that in that game. one. Um, so that's not, you know, history is clearly not on the Pelican side. However. Usually isn't. <laughs> right, Usually isn't. You are absolutely right. However, new team name, new arena name. I, not I, the I, Lakers. Think, I, th- I think they shook off the juju. Yeah, not the Lakers. Um, the Lakers didn't even sniff. The postseason. Didn't even make the play-in tournament. I still love that. Poor babies. Um, LSU baseball getting a sweep. Cajuns baseball getting a sweep. McNeese getting a sweep. The Pelicans getting a big win last night. The Zurch Classic. We're going to talk about that. I mean, high school softball. We got six local teams playing in, in the state semifinals this week. The
2: Breakers The crushed. Breakers
1: crushing Tampa Bay. Something about New Orleans football beating Tampa football. It's it, it's, it's a, a good tradition th- unlike any other. <laughs> it's a good thing. It is a tradition unlike any other. You're absolutely right. Uh, our guest for today, Jake Madison, once again, will join us at 4.15. And then Wilson Alexander will join us at 4.30 to introduce a brand new segment that we will do every Monday here on Crunch Time with we and a mesh called Tiger Talk. Looking forward to that. Your phone calls as well on the game hotline, 706-0111. You want to talk about the Pels, you want to talk about the Saints, Astros, Cajuns, Tigers, whatever your heart desires. Uh, we've got plenty of time. We're here for the next two hours. So come hang out with us and let us know what you want to talk about. Take a time out right here. and When we return, Jake Madison of Locked On Pels will join us. Lots to talk about from the blender here in the NBA playoffs. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Today is the day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free, but you'll get the chance to enter to win some tremendous free gifts. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. Sound good? You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's easy. 1037thegame.com or 1041 com. So go sign up today. The Pelicans going to battle in Game 3 on Friday night. Overcoming the odds and winning big in Game 4 to even the series 2-2. Two to two. It now becomes a best of three and shifts back to Phoenix for Game 5. Jake Madison from Locked On Pels, is here to discuss Game 3, Game 4, and to preview Game 5 ever so briefly. Jake, good afternoon. Happy Victory Monday to you. How are you?
3: Uh, I'm doing well. Happy to be here on a Monday talking some hoops after a Pelicans win.
1: Yeah, well, last night, you know, I'll, I'll start there. Just what a what a gritty performance after the way things went down you know, Friday night in, in the 114 111 loss, responding to a 118 to 103 win. You know, Chris Paul only having four points in the game last night. DeAndre Ayton did get 23, but man, looking at the Pelicans 30 from BI. You get 26 from Valanchunas, which was a career playoff high for him. 18 and nine out of CJ McCollum. But, you know, in, in talking about all those stats, from my point of view, watching the game, Dude, Herb Jones was a difference maker.
3: Oh, absolutely. Look, there's, there's like a number of MVPs for the Pelicans in that win, depending really on how you want to look at it. And you look at a guy like Herb Jones, who had three blocks in this game, and all three of those blocks were on three-pointer attempts, which is not something you usually see once in an NBA game, let alone three times from the same player. Just kind of really showed you the breadth of his defensive versatility and what he really brings to this team, not being scared of the moment, being kind of amped up and right there for everything. And he was incredible, particularly in the second half and the fourth with quarter, once they put the other rookie, the undrafted guy, Jose Alvarado in there, who frustrated Chris Paul all night, you mentioned he only had four total points, he scored, two, he scored four points in the first quarter and didn't score again the rest of the game, they kept him scoreless in the second half, and you had Jose Alvarado guarding him full court more or less, the entirety of that, it kind of freed uh, Herb Jones up to be kind of a free safety in Rome, it just creates havoc with that Phoenix Suns team. And it worked. And that's a big part of the reason why New Orleans was not just able to get a win, but win in fairly handily fashion.
1: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite plays of the night was, was Jose Alvarado giving CP3 a taste of his own medicine with that, with that chase down steal and then the dish over to Herb Jones to finish it off. I mean, he is Alvarado has just been, you know, a, a, a lightning spark for, for this team with his with his defensive ability and the way that he's able to generate offense from his defensive ability what it, it's it's such a great story you know like you mentioned an undrafted guy to to do what he's doing now. how is the team responding to to that kind of story to jose's you know career up to this point
3: i i mean they love it right he's a beloved member of this squad and when you look at the Pelicans bench you know when he's on the bench he's up jumping up and down having the best time when his teammates are scoring celebrating their success and then look at how they respond with him whenever he has a moment right and that moment he had getting that sneaky steal that he does where he kind of hides in the corner and then runs up on behind on people and grabs that. You know, to do that on Chris Paul, a guy that's referred to as the point god, right, who in game one saw him trying to do that and said, like, get away from me, get up the court, you're not going to pull that on me, was so rattled by Jose Alvarado that it happened, and then the team was just fired up after moments like that. And when you see the squad having really good vibes around him, a complete difference from last year under head coach Stan Van Gundy, you know, Jose Alvarado and kind of the energy he brings, the fun he brings to the team and being a good story is a big part of the reason why.
1: Chat with Jake Madison from Locked On Pells. Jake, let's talk about Brandon Ingram. I mean, he had 18 points in game 1, but then he goes 37, 34, and then 30 last night. How has he been able to put this team on his back the last couple of games and and put them in such a great position to make a deep run into the playoffs?
3: Yeah, I mean, you've seen him score 30 points in three straight games, the first Pelicans player to ever do something like that in the postseason. And, you know, he looked different at the start of last night's game. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter, and he just kind of had this look about him that he was not going to let this Pelicans team – Lose, And he looks like he's a veteran who's been there before on the biggest stage. And this is his first time in the postseason. He never made it before in New Orleans. He'd never made it in Los Angeles prior to joining the Pelicans. So for him to play at this level and just ramp his level of game up so much, I think it has been impressive. You know, we talk about the 30 points he scored in last night's game, but that was the best defensive performance I've ever seen from him. And that, I think, is kind of emblematic of him kind of saying, we are not going to lose this game that he just ramped up his energy level, that intensity on the defensive side of the ball. And you could see they were getting him working, particularly in the first and third quarters where he just really closed out the Phoenix Suns of getting him playing downhill. He realized he was the best player out there on the court. He realized that there was no one on the Phoenix Suns who was going to be able to stop him. And he took advantage of that, and he played like that. And that's a guy kind of growing up before our eyes, reaching the level of play that we know he can do, the kind of the superstar status. And it's been tremendous to see, and it's been so much fun to kind of see his ascension here in the postseason.
1: Now, Jake, Jonas Valanciunas, twenty six and fifteen last night. The twenty six points being a playoff career high for him. Game three wasn't his best game, and, and he was and, and he noted that in his post game interview last night. Now, do you do you think that there was something different in the game plan last night that that helped him have the performance that he did, or do you think that he was just so motivated by his lack of performance in game three that he really wanted to show out in game four?
3: Yeah, I think that was the biggest motivating factor. He didn't have enough shots to really make an impact in Game 3, and he wanted to come out and kind of just be that dominant self that we know he can be. He's a big bruising center, right? And you saw them dump the ball onto him down low at the elbow, and he just kind of put his shoulder or his back into the defender and just backed him up. And then at that point, it's just a quick little pivot to be able to dunk or get a layup in. And his touch was there, and he was scoring a lot of easy buckets down low. And the Phoenix Suns just had no match and no answer for the physicality that he brought to this game. And he was a big part of it. He's the guy that closed this one out for the Pelicans in the fourth quarter. I think it's 16 in the fourth period where Brandon Ingram didn't make a shot. So it was him really leading this team down the stretch, realizing, again, there was no answer for him, and these Pelicans players realizing where they have this advantage to be able to go out and do it, I think is really, truly a great thing. and You could see he was kind of of the mindset of, I'm not going to lose this game, and I'm going to do what it takes to try and go out and win. There was also a nice little adjustment by Willie Green with his rotations in this one, where he subbed out Valanchunas earlier to really try and match his minutes up with a guy like JaVale McGee, who had hurt New Orleans in Game 3 by scoring 11 points off the bench he threw Valanchunas out there against McGee a lot of the time it allowed Valanchunas to get some easy points it put McGee in bad defensive situations and not nearly be effective offensively like he was before and I think being able to kind of neutralize that bench threat for the Suns really helped the Pelicans
1: now Jake going back to game three the 114 to 111 loss Jackson Hayes getting ejected in the second quarter for a flagrant two foul on on Jay Crowder where do you stand on that? Did you agree with the call? Did you think that the call was, you know, like the NBA says, excessive and unnecessary?
3: Yeah, it definitely was. There was there was enough contact in there by extending his arms to knock him down, and it was very clear that he was just trying to kind of bowl him over to go for that. That wasn't really trying to make a play on the ball so much as the man. To, to be honest, I haven't hated a ton of what we've seen from the officials in this game, or in this series. I think it's been about fair. You know, New Orleans, you know, nearly tripled them up, doubled them up in free throw attempts last night, almost tripled them. It was 42 attempts to 15 for the Suns, but you saw just really good defense for New Orleans. The Suns don't really get to the line, whereas New Orleans does. So overall, I think this has been a pretty well-officiated series, minus a few things here and
1: there. Chat with Jake Madison from Locked On Pells. Jake, a couple more for you. Number one, you know, Going back to Phoenix for for Game 5 tomorrow night, what do you think the game plan is for for the Pelicans to maybe steal another win in Phoenix to maybe come home on Thursday and, and seal the deal?
3: It's kind of twofold are of the keys to this Game 5 coming up here. First and foremost, it's be able to limit Chris Paul like you did. There's a chance they get Devin Booker back. We'll, you know, we'll cross that bridge if it gets announced the next day or so. But if it's just Chris Paul out there, being able to neutralize him, holding him to, again, four points on two of eight shooting, is going to go a long, long, long way towards helping you get that win. And I have to imagine the Phoenix Suns are going to come out and try and defend Brandon Ingram differently after the points explosions he's had so far this series. So if they're trying to double him, it's really time for C.J. McCollum to step up and he could be in line for a big game. If he hits his shots, I think that's going to be big. You know, he had some nice points in, the, in this game, but 18 points on 21 shots, just shooting 38% from the field, isn't really going to get it done. If he has a massive game in Game 5, the Pelicans can come out of Phoenix with a win, particularly because you have to imagine Phoenix doesn't want Brandon Ingram beating
1: them. And then, Jake, one more for you, you know, Friday and Sunday were the, the two home games in the Smoothie King Center. I was there Friday night, and, and I said numerous times that that was probably the loudest arena that I had ever been in, other than an uh, arena of that size, right? Other than like the Superdome or, or something like that. What did you think about the environment as a whole for these two games? And do you think that the Pels fans can keep it going Thursday night for game six?
3: Oh, certainly. They definitely will be able to keep it going. It was a tremendous atmosphere in both games three and games four. And you've seen it. You've seen kind of the city and the region even, I think, rally behind this Pelicans team. There's a lot of underdogs in this, whether it's Jose Alvarado, whether it's Herb Jones really trying to make an impact or just a dude that's a hard worker, right? In Brandon Ingram going out and just kind of playing his butt off. And I think that's tight of play and team that the city really responds to. So they were ready for this game here. Um, last night it was loud. That's probably one of the more rowdier atmospheres I think I've ever been in in an NBA arena might have helped that there was French quarter fest going on basically right outside there. So people had time to go kind of party all day and then come and party inside all night. You know, if it's an elimination game, which it could be either way here in this series going into game six. Um, I feel that New Orleans is really going to bring it. You could tell the Suns were rattled by it, and I have no doubt that's going to continue again on Thursday.
1: Jake Madison of Locked on Pelicans has been our guest. Jake, really appreciate you taking the time on this Monday, and um, hopefully we can talk to you down the line about maybe a a second-round playoff series for these Pelicans.
3: It should be a lot of fun, Tom, and enjoy it, and thanks for having me on, you guys.
1: There he goes, Jake Madison from Locked on Pelicans. Before we take a break... We got a couple comments on on our poll question. Am I a sellout for going to an LSU game this weekend? On Facebook, Robert Duplichin says, I couldn't listen to the show. Why would he be? Well, I've already explained why I would be. Because I'm a Cajun's grad. I'm a Cajun born and bred. And I went work an LSU game. Adam Quibito says, yes. James, do you think that I'm a sellout? No. Like,
2: if you want a legit answer, no, I don't think you are. Are It was a little interesting that you were like, I'll go cover the spring game. Yeah. But ultimately, you're doing your job and you're just trying to do whatever you can to, to impress the boss. So, I don't really have a problem with it is it could it maybe be because I'm kind of even. I'm not I don't lean either way too far when it comes to LSU or Cajuns. I'm split down the middle. Right. Yeah. So either way it doesn't matter to me whether you would want cuz you, you cuz it was the same way you were eager to go cover the Cajuns spring game. So to me it really doesn't matter. I don't I don't think it makes you a sellout. It was interesting that you were so eager considering everything but it to me, it really doesn't
1: matter. So far, eighty four percent of people on Twitter say that I am. Five percent say no, and then eleven percent are asking, "What the hell?" So, we'll we'll keep you updated on that one. It may be because of your buddies. It's probably because of my buddies because we can't we can't see who vote right. It's probably because of them. Let's take a time out right here, and when we return, the first ever edition of Tiger Talk with the advocates Wilson Alexander. Here on Crush Time, when we get guys a mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's Seafood Patio has some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, Fried and grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, po'boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. There was a spring football game in Baton Rouge on Saturday. A lot of players impressed. Will there be two quarterbacks for the Tigers? how many running backs is Brian Kelly going to have to play? Because they were all impressive. It's time for Tiger Talk.
0: Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and to talk all things by you Bengals with the Advocates Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joins us on this victory Monday. Wilson, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm
4: doing all right, Matt. How are you this afternoon?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looking at the, the the spring game, you you and I were both in attendance. You know the the thing the main thing that I took away is that Brian Kelly is going to have some tough decisions to make at a lot of positions. I mean all the quarterbacks were impressive the running backs were impressive. What stood out to you from this game?
4: Yeah, it was probably for the for starters just the ability to watch all four quarterbacks, particularly the Top, you know, the three in contention for this position: uh, Miles Burn Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Getting to see them for an entire afternoon, multiple series, different situations, and how they responded to that, and how the offense kind of shifted when one of them was in there, um, and then just the way the defensive line looked um, starting out. Um, obviously, they kind of faded, but they were only playing two fronts and one coverage or something. And um, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot of reps. Uh, going on without much depth, so they kind of fatigued by the end, um, which isn't a you know a bad thing at this point in the spring. And then the like you mentioned, the way those running backs played, and even the way they got a little bit of something out of the tight end was uh, encouraging to see. So uh, quite a few things to to notice in the spring game, though. You obviously with the spring game, take everything with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, you know it's still very early. It's there's still you know a lot of questions that that Brian Kelly and his staff are going to have to answer before September the fourth. You know, you mentioned the quarterbacks. You mentioned getting to see Garrett Nussmeyer, Miles Brennan, and Jaden Daniels. They all did certain things well, but in your opinion, who was who was the best all around on, on Saturday?
4: On Saturday specifically, it was Garrett Nussmeyer. He led all passers with 136 yards. He made some of the best just sort of eye-popping throws of the day. Um, there was one that, you know, kind of, Uh, maybe like sort of a corner route um, to that was even dropped um, by Dre Jenkins, but he put it right where it has to be between two defenders, um, pushed the ball downfield, threw a touchdown. He almost threw a pick um, that got dropped, um, which sometimes Garrett in his L.C. career, you know, he's still, you know, we have to remember a redshirt freshman here, um, you know, can get into some try to force some balls and sometimes that can backfire. Um, But he's cleaned that up a lot this spring and he showed that again in the spring game. Um, He was the best of the three. Um, but that was just confined to that one uh, scrimmage.
1: Now looking at the receivers, uh, Jack Besh obviously, you know, seems like he picked up right where he left off a year ago. Six catches for fifty-six yards and two touchdowns. Malik Neighbors also had two for forty-one and a touchdown. Those are two local kids here in Lafayette who who seem to make or seeming to be big contributors for for Brian Kelly's offense. Just talk about this receiving core. You know, once you get Kayshawn Booty back and then you've got Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, Cole Taylor, you know, whoever's the starting quarterback, they're going to have plenty of weapons to throw to.
4: Absolutely. You mentioned, I mean, they have a pretty solid wide receiver group without Kayshawn. And, um, you know, the, the core of this thing could actually kind of end up being uh, filled out by some guys from latvia because, you know, Kayshawn's from New Iberia or at least Lafayette area. You know, Kayshawn's from New New Iberia, and then uh, Jack and, and Malik are from the, that sort of part of the state as well. And, um, you know, Malik really has had an impressive spring in particular. Um, he's got such strong hands. He catches the ball really far away from his body. There's some, been some catches where defenders defender's been draped all over his back, and he's still come down with the ball. He got to maybe not trash talk quite as much because uh, Brian Kelly isn't a, quite much of a fan of that. Um, but talent is all there for him to really have a breakout sophomore year. Jack's going to continue to be that reliable option, kind of in the flat and over the middle. and um, They're going to probably do a lot of different things with him because they've noticed that he's just, when you play, he just makes things happen. Um, he was out for a little bit of time this spring, but uh, came back and played pretty well in that spring game, I think catching two touchdowns. And, um, you know, they've got a really strong wide receiver core. It's, it's not necessarily deep um, but what they have, is they do have a lot of talent and where they have got it. And, um, you know, in the classes to come and recruiting classes to come, they'll need to continue to add some wide receivers just to continue to have more options. But they've got this group of sophomores with Besh and neighbors in there and a few others that, that makes them really strong in addition to Kayshawn.
1: Chatting with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate here at Tiger Talk. Wilson transitioned to baseball now, you know, 5 to 3 win Thursday night for the Tigers. Four to three in extras on Friday, and then the eight six win on Saturday. How important was this sweep for, for Jay Johnson and company going into a, a pretty difficult four game week this week?
4: Yeah, it was certainly uh, crucial um, to get back on track, you know, seven and eight, uh, sitting below 500 uh, after getting swept. Um, you needed to have a good weekend. And Missouri is not the strongest team in the SEC, but um, Jay thinks they had a few, you know, Possible, you know, major league players on that team, and they were sitting there in the 20s and their RPI coming into the weekend as well after having played a lot of difficult teams. Um, so it wasn't a series they wanted to overlook, and and they handled what they needed to do. It's kind of crazy now that they've gone sweep, get swept, sweep for the first time since 1996. Um, you know, they so it shows you know they're a little bit inconsistent, and, and but it was important for them to at least get back on the right track of things. Uh, heading into this uh, series this weekend against Georgia at home, um, it's another big one for them. Uh, they need to pick up a couple wins here um, as they continue moving the schedule and try to secure a home regional.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you took the next question basically out of my mouth. The home, the home regional. What do you what do you think the likelihood that that a regional is getting played in Baton Rouge?
4: Yeah, it's too early to say um, at this point because there's just a lot of baseball left. Um, but it's a possible, you know, LSU, they're tw- 27 and 12 right now, which isn't necessarily a record you would love to have at this point of the year. But their RPI is number 17, um, which would put them kind of right in that, you know, bubble area for hosting a regional. Um, if they can continue to rack up some wins, I mean, they're, you know, tied for second or excuse me, tied for third in the SEC West. And, you know, if you continue to rack up some wins over the next month um, then they'll be, you know, have a chance, Um You've got to got to make sure they do that, but um, they're certainly not out of it yet. They haven't locked it up. You know, it's not like Tennessee sitting at 17-1 in the conference or something like that. Um, but they they're not out of uh, out of you know it's not out of the realm of possibility.
1: Wilson Alexander of the Advocate has been our guest. Wilson, I appreciate you taking the time on this Monday, my friend. Uh, stay safe this week, and we'll talk to you next Monday.
4: Thanks for having me, Matt. Have a great rest of your week.
0: Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: That was Tiger Talk with the Advocates Wilson, Alexander, James. we We have a comment from Tan on the poll question. Tan says, not a sellout. Just a loyal employee doing his job. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Shame about Friday, though. One ejection away from dot dot dot. Well, dot dot dot.
2: Still trying to keep us suspenseful.
1: Should should I should I thank Jackson Hayes for not getting me punished? I mean, I don't know.
2: I guess it was a blessing in disguise. I
1: I, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I was actually kind of looking forward to just to see what he actually whatever w- Ton had up his sleeve. I I really was. I was look. I was kind of looking forward to it. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe I'd have been better off with the Pelicans going three one. Guess and, we'll never know. Well, I guess we'll never know. That's a shame. Let's take a timeout right here, and when we return, open hotline for the rest of the show seven zero six zero one. 1-1. Saints, Tigers, Cajuns, Pelicans, Astros, Zurich Classic. It's all you. 706-0111. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now Now, back back to more Crunch Time Time. with Miguez and Mesh here on the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. So all in good fun, joking around here about me being a, a sellout for attending an LSU game this weekend. Checking the poll question, 69% of you say yes, 14% say no, and 17% are asking what the hell. And we get a comment from Caleb Broussard. Nah, but the guy is catching some heat. But he does have to put food on the table. LOL, hashtag go Cajuns. See, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. I got to put food on my table. I like a roof over my head. It's a rainy day today. I don't want to go home to, you know, water, looking at the sky. I like my house. I like my TV. I like my food. I I, I like having a, a, a fiancé in my life that, that wants to hang out with me every day. Probably wouldn't have that if I didn't have a job. So, like, those are those are things that a man needs to survive. So if you know if I'm a sellout for for doing what I'm told by my employers and and, and chasing the American dream well then I, I guess I'm a sellout James I, I guess that's just guess just how the cookie crumbles <laughs> I'm, I'm just a sellout I guess uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna have to be okay with that I, I'm glad I'm glad your mic's on because th- this is something that I'm reading on Facebook that I'm just very confused by the statement, okay? 49ers GM John Lynch on Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that much because I don't think it's productive. There's a sanctity to those conversations remaining private. Lynch did add, I can't ever imagine wanting to move on from Debo. He's just too good of a player. Pretty standard. No duh. (laughs) Of course you don't want to move on from Debo. He's the face of your franchise. You made him play 10 different positions. <laughs> he is the face of your franchise. Of course you don't want to move on from him. But clearly, he wants it's one of two things. And neither one of them are good, but it's one of two things. Either, number one, the 49ers front office did something to that man to make him want to leave. Or B, he's just a prima donna. And if the, if the situation is the latter, then you probably don't want him in your locker room. Right? Yeah. Like, regardless of how good he is, like, we're Saints fans. If Alvin Kamara started crying to the media, as much as I love Alvin Kamara, I'd want him out.
2: Like, you clearly don't want to be here. Obviously.
1: If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. It's simple as that that is that is point blank period if if you don't want to be here then i don't want you here so the 49ers are going to have to have some tough conversations with Debo Samuel and f- figure out you know what what they're what they're going to do because you got to figure out the root of the problem of why Debo Samuel wants to leave is it because he's a prima donna, or did you do something wrong to make him upset? Because if it's if it's a front office problem, that's easy. Just fix it. Do what he's asking for, within reason, of course. I mean, if he's asking to get paid fifty million dollars a year, that obviously can't get done. But if he's if it's a reasonable request that he's looking for, then then why not? I just. James, where, where do you stand? What do you think?
2: When it comes to Debo?
1: Just, I, just those situations in general. But yes. It, I mean, it makes it makes
2: sense on his part because I don't, it, he, like he said, he doesn't want to play that hyper role where he has to play running back and receiver. He was drafted to be a receiver. Right. And they just started making him do running back stuff as well. It's like, okay, well, I'm seeing Christian Kirk get paid stupid amounts of money to be underperforming why why am i not getting that type of money right why am i not getting combined top tier wide receiver and running back money combined if you're going to make me play both positions play even both. though i don't want yeah.
1: to yeah that and and that's another thing that interests me why why do you need debo to play both
2: you have Elijah Mitchell you, you have, have Elijah Mitchell you have a whole running have, back room that you rotate around whenever one right, of them gets in. right you have
1: Trey Sermon you have Jermichael Hasty. what why do you need debo to play running back what, what you need to figure out is what you're going to do at quarterback. Hour number one, a crunch time with guys and Mesh in the books. Hour number two, hotline wide open, 706-0111. We'll talk some Cajuns baseball. We'll talk some LSU baseball. We'll talk some Saints. And we'll talk the Zurch Classic. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, and 104-1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked, locked in. in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour
1: number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. The producer extraordinaire, James Mesh, sits across from me inside the production booth. The game hotline. Like we told you, wide open for the remainder of the show, seven zero six zero one one one. Luke took advantage of that, and he calls into the show. Luke, happy Monday. How are you?
5: What's going on, fellas? Y'all killing it this afternoon. Just want to let y'all know.
1: Appreciate that, man. I really do.
5: So, let's chat for a second. Yep. I'm going to stir the pot real quick. All right. <laughs> I find it insane for UL fans. To call you a sellout for attending an LSU game, they're delusional on that. Just as they've been delusional the last two years when they thought they could beat them LSU Tigers.
1: Well, Would never
5: happened.
1: Well, Would never happened. Well, well, the last two years, Luke, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, and, and yes, I'm a UL grad. Yes, I support UL. But I'm going I'm going to speak this 100% down the middle. The last two years, I'm not going to say outright UL would have won. But, you know, if they'd have played each other five times in a two-year span, UL would have won two of them.
5: Hmm, Matt, you might be delusional too, brother.
1: I mean, I'm just being real, man. I'm just being real. Hey. LSU was not great the last two years.
5: I agree. I agree. I agree. But we got BK in there now. We turning the ship. We about to impress some folks this year.
1: Oh, I I don't disagree. I like I said, I was very impressed with with the performance on, on Saturday. I mean, I'll, I'll, obviously it was a spring game, but right. Uh, man, Garrett. The way Garrett Nussmeyer was able to throw the football. Uh, Jade Daniels was able to escape pressure with his feet and make plays with his feet. Man, Walker Howard. Was impressive. Uh, the the consensus yeah. The consensus thought is that he's not going to play this year. He's probably going to take right. a red shirt. But he, even he was super impressive on Saturday.
5: I agree. And I agree. then right now, my depth chart for LSU is Miles Nuss. Daniels comes in third string. Some uh, some red zone packages. Maybe catch some folks off guard. That that's my that's my uh, QB depth chart at the moment.
1: Yeah. To to be it, it, mine is probably Miles and Daniels running a a two QB system. Uh, personally, I I think Garrett Nussmiler is going to end up having a transfer.
5: I hope not. I feel I feel like uh, like he is our future for the next at least year. To once uh, once uh, Miles you know leaves after this year, really. So I think so. I think hmm. so. He, he was super impressive at the game, man. Really he's was. Seen, I, I,
1: you can I tell think he's,
5: he's grown as a player. I, I think he's better. You know, it seems like he wanted to kind of get rid of the. Uh, he's, still, he's still a gunslinger at times, but it kind of seems like he wanted to focus on on toning that mentality down, trying to improve. So,
1: I think it's Walker Howard's team starting next year. <laughs> I think. We I think that's. See, I think that's man. the we game plan. See. Well, yeah, we'll, we will see because that's. It's a good problem to have for Brian Kelly, but he's got plenty of depth at quarterback. So Absolutely. It, it'll be Absolutely. interesting to see what they do with that.
5: All right, my man. Good talking to y'all. Y'all have a good Monday afternoon.
1: Appreciate you, Luke. That man called Cajun fans delusional. Delusional. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I said multiple times that I I thought UL could have beaten LSU in the last two years. UL just had so much talent, and LSU just seemed to struggle. I I don't know if they lived off that national title a little too long, or or what, but it it just that was definitely not. The LSU football that that you, you kind of come to expect, living in Louisiana, but delusional, that's a new I've never heard that's a new one. that I'd, I'd never heard I'd never seen somebody use that word in in conversation talking about the Cajuns and the Tigers. So that's interesting. Poll question of the day, am I a sellout? for attending an LSU game for work. 71% say yes, 15% say no, and 15% are asking what the hell. Now, speaking of LSU, obviously we talked about the spring game at length, baseball getting a sweep, Cajuns baseball getting a sweep as well, Pelicans splitting the two games at home to make it 2-2, the Zert Classic was this weekend, James, your Celtics going for the sweep tonight. What what what's your thoughts? What you feeling? Feeling like it's very possible. You're Are like,
0: you?
2: I do. It were the only thing that I'm worried about is not the individual play from Bruce Brown it's, or it's Kevin the, Durant or Kyrie Irving. I'm not worried about the players. What I'm worried about is what could happen with the Officials making the plays. Yeah,
1: you you, you don't like the official. I, I saw
2: I saw who it was tonight, and it's. I still don't have a. a Rob, Scott Foster and Tony uh, Brothers are.
1: Oh NBA my coach. god! You've
2: got both of them. Uh, there's no doubt the NBA wants to Brooklyn. I'm just reading off a post. I believe it's Scott Foster is the one that's going to be heading, the game tonight, and I don't I don't know NBA officials. All that well, I don't know names to faces cuz I don't usually see them all that often. Right, right. But based off of what I'm hearing is either he's a Celtic, he's anti-Celtics or he's pro Nets yeah, or maybe the or maybe the NBA is a little more pro Nets and don't want to see the Nets get swept. Your crew chief tonight's going to be sh- going to be Scott Foster. And and if that's the case and and I'm seeing the Celtics accounts that I follow, damn. Uh like if they're having to make a post about oh. the refs... Oh, Scott
1: Foster, you know. he, he's he's not the guy you want in, in a game where you could sweep. He's certainly not the guy you want. Um, he has been known to, you know, throw some, some haymakers in a game. What was the statistic? Um, something about... Oh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul has lost 14 straight playoff games that Scott Foster was officiating. 14. Consecutive. I mean, he's he's just...
2: Apparently, Apparently, for the refs tonight, it's Scott Foster, Sean Wright, and Brian Forte.
1: And your alternate is Derek Collins.
2: Yeah. Which worries me. Apparently, he's also going to be... I don't know if these are just jokes, but I'm, I'm looking at tweets and it's saying Scott Foster entering the arena for game five of Suns Pels. So yeah, if that's the case. He, he is he is gonna be the official in game five. So if that's the case, then I guess 0 and 15 for Curse Paul. Hey, I'm
1: for it. If if that if that's how it's gonna because Scott Foster called game two in Phoenix. For the Pels and Suns.
2: I'm, so what I'm getting is. Scott Foster's just an all-around menace.
1: Oh, he is. 100%. He is a hated official in uh, in the NBA. So, that worries me.
2: As as it probably should. Because <laughs> I just want to get the clean sweep and get it over with. I don't want to have to... I don't want to play with my food. I just want to get it... I just want to eat it all. Just
1: get it done. <laughs> I just want to have my cake and eat it, too. That's, that's all. That's all. But, no. So... Ben Simmons, there there was talks that Ben Simmons would come back. He is not. Yeah, he's he's out. Does that make you feel any better?
2: No, because it wouldn't have changed me to me if he got in or not. Look at Blake Griffin. He he got in for like ten minutes and like they sparked for those, not for those five minutes. And he knocked down a couple threes and had a couple free throws and like made one defensive stop. But Jalen Brown started isoing him and started cooking him. So it's like, am I worried? No, no, I wouldn't worry if he was going to play or not. The fact that I even saw Blake Griffin shocked me because he only played. He's only played five games since the beginning of March. Uh don't. I remember I, remember but... I was listening to the game like the, the announcers were talking about it on TV and I was like, oh. So this man just doesn't play. Cool. Right, right. Like, and then it's back to back threes and I'm like, what's going on? But. No, I, I'm i not worried about the individual play, like I said. I'm worried about Scott Foster and the referee's making some funky calls and it pisses off Jason Tatum and then he gets ejected. Or he gets too many fouls early on, so then you have to minister trick them because he's, right. he's at four within midway through the second quarter and you're like, what's going on? Right.
1: What, what the hell? Cajuns baseball getting a sweep. Astros going one of three. I believe it was. Yeah, one of three this weekend. Four three, three, two, and then eight to seven. The eight to seven game being a walk off winner for Jeremy Pena. Now the Astros are going to Arlington to play a four game set with the Texas Rangers. First one being tonight at seven oh five. Framber Valdez. Will go up against Dane Dunning Valdez on the year one and one with a four point five ERA and fourteen innings pitched. He has twelve hits, twelve Ks, and he's walked ten. Dunning zero oh and one with a five point six eight ERA in twelve and two thirds, seventeen hits, fourteen Ks. He's walked seven. He has given up two home runs in this game. The Rangers are looking to end a home skid as they are five and ten. They're one in five in the confines of Globe Life Field. The Astros on the other hand seven and eight. They are 5-4 and four on the road. We'll talk Cajuns baseball on the other side of this timeout. Road trip to Atlanta worked in their favor. Big RPI series for, for Matt Daggs and company. We'll talk about that, how those games went down, and look ahead to their three-game trip to Boone, North Carolina this weekend. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 25th, 1993. New Orleans Saints linebacker Pat Swilling is traded by the Saints to the Detroit Lions for their first and fourth round picks in the draft. The Saints select William Rofe with the eighth overall pick. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The Game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to a ballgame with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. The Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Guys and Mesh here on The Game. James, during the break, you found a statistic about Scott Foster that seems to be kind of contradictive to the Chris Paul statistic.
2: Correct. It says, when Scott Foster has officiated a playoff game, the team behind in the series is 19-2 and in the last 21. So, it feels like that all but confirms that the Nets will win tonight. And since it's tied in the series between the Suns and the Pelicans, you would lean you would lean toward the Pelicans winning. Yeah, but the fact that the team is behind, and I would, and if we're getting real technical, maybe would you consider that the Pelicans? I mean, the Suns are behind now since no, the, the Pelicans have the the uh, no. edge.
1: In, in in a tied series, the higher seed is ahead. In, in my opinion. Okay. In, in my opinion, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of so, looking at
2: it as a who has the momentum right now, and right now it's the Pelicans. Agreed. I'd agree with that. Um, but who's going to play more home games? Depending on what happens, it will be the it could be the same amount.
1: But if if you're looking at the schedule, yes, right, it's, it's the Suns, right. I, I still think that the Suns are ahead in the series. Um, so, if that, so if that's the case, then... Especially Pel- with a 1-8 matchup. I mean, the one's ahead until they're out. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting, especially if Scott Foster is you know, going to be the crew chief in Game 5 for the Pell Suns. That's... And he's probably going to be cranky.
2: He always looks cranky.
1: Because... That's a long flight to do in just a couple hours. Boston to Phoenix. Yeah, he's going cross country. Yikes! Cross country and across uh-huh. four different time zones.
2: It's uh, there's also a little quote it says, Adam Silver, we need more games for the revenue. Send in the Extender, the Extender, <laughs>
1: Scott the Extender Foster, Scott the Extend. That that would be his wrestling name. It would be." No no doubt about it. But, you know, did you catch last night during the Pelicans game the, the chant coming from? The Jose the, chant? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, like this guy, Chris Whittingham, not sure he is a producer for the Dan Levitard show. Okay. I don't know why Pelicans fans are doing an Olay chant. But it's the first new chant in an NBA arena for twenty years. What, <laughs> buddy? What? It was pretty obvious that they were saying Jose. Pretty obvious. And I don't know if you saw this, James, but there was one point where they were doing the Jose chant, and I think it was, um, I think it was C.J. McCollum. They were sitting on the bench during the timeout. And they had the camera angle where like they're pointed at the Pelicans bench, and the fans are are. are Doing the Jose chant, and CJ McCollum is just sitting there. You looking at me? He's just he's just sitting there doing, just kind of like bouncing around. Uh, I just thought it was the funniest thing, because you you never see players, you know, get into it like that, especially in the middle of a timeout where their coach is talking to them. Yeah, and, and, you're, and you're and you're trying to like right. You're trying to focus, and, and, right? And, and CJ's just sitting there going. I just thought Jose, was, right. Jose. That was I just thought that that was super, super funny. Um, just saw a tweet from Jake Madison. Let's see. Looks like Game Six. Wow. So there, there are four scenarios. For the Pelicans game six Thursday night in New Orleans. Three of them have the Pelicans playing at 6.30. Have them being the early game. God, that would be glorious. I'm old. I might only be 24, but I'm a grandpa. Okay, I don't stay up late. These games that aren't ending until 11, 11.30 at night are killing me. They're killing me. Game two, I missed most of the second half because I fell asleep. I need 6.30 tip-offs. That is what I need in my life. So there are four scenarios. If a game six is necessary for Miami and Atlanta, the Pelicans would play at 6.30. If a game six is necessary for Philly-Toronto, again, 6.30. If a game six is not necessary for either one, Phoenix and New Orleans will play at 7.30. And then if a game six is necessary for both Miami, Atlanta, and Philly, Toronto, New Orleans would end up playing at nine at 8.30 on TNT. Uh, but e- either way, the Pelicans will play on TNT Thursday night. It'll either be at 6.30 or it'll be at 8.30, depending on what happens with other series. James... It's draft week. Three days away from, from the NFL draft for the Saints. What, what do you – are you getting nervous at all about what the Saints are going to do or what they could do? You're, you're hearing rumors about trades. The Patriots and the Texans made a trade today. Granted, it was for late round picks. But still, you know, again, draft trades are kind of starting to heat up a little bit. What what are you what are you seeing? What are you thinking?
2: I'm not worried about any potential picks. I'd just be more frustrated than anything else. If I see if I see QB as the position in the first round.
1: Oh god, please no.
2: Cuz I I got another notification saying potential teams that could be getting a quarterback. No. One of them was the Saints.
1: It was like why? No, why? Exactly why? Why? What makes you believe that the Pelicans need a quarterback? We just signed a twenty-eight-year-old to a two-year deal. We have a thirty-three-year-old backup who is still very capable of leading a team if need be. What signs? You, and, you, and you drafted a quarterback. We drafted
0: one last year. You draft,
2: and it's not just a quarterback. You drafted a quarterback in the fourth round when. He was projected to be sixth, seventh, or undrafted. So you clearly had the confidence. So my question is, if he really, if you do really grab, at, if you do it 19, if you do grab a quarterback, whether it's Corral or let's say Pickett Falls or Ritter, one of, just one of the quarterbacks. Correct. Let's say one of them does get drafted by Saints at 19. Then what was the point? What was the point in bringing back Jameis for two years and telling him we you're our guy? What was the point in going out and getting Dalton? What was the point in getting Andy Dalton, just to groom him? Well, what was the point in getting Ian Book? Right. What was the point? There's there's zero. What was the
1: point in restocking this whole QB room? There was there's zero point in drafting a quarterback. None. Why wouldn't you just wait? You see, if if you're uncertain about the future of your quarterbacks, then fine. Why not wait till next year when there are loads when there's more talent? Better, when there's better QB prospects. Right. There there are multiple quarterbacks next year in the first round where if the Saints drafted one of those guys in the first round, I'd be okay with it. I'd be all right with it. I'd get it. But, this that's, year? but that's if Jameis sucked. Right. Jameis
2: never sucked. That's what I don't get. Why would you spend a first-round pick on somebody on a position where you actually feel secure? Right.
1: It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Does not make sense. Like, to are me. you looking?
2: Are you looking to just have Jameis for this one year, and then you're just never going to have to pay the top QB money, like you had to do with Drew. Like, like is that your deal? Like, you just wanted Jameis for those two years, and then you let him go in the second year of the contract, right? And you, and you'll just take like the mini, the mini dead cap hit, and then you just start your this this great QB prospect. Apparently that no one thinks else is good, which that's for a lot of teams. I don't understand why, honestly, most of the teams could wait another year. People are saying Detroit used the 32 pick to get another QB. That way you have a fifth-round option for him to pick up. But, okay, that's potentially Desmond Ritter. That's potentially Carson Strong. That's potentially Sam Howell. Do you really want them as a fifth-of-year option, or or would you rather wait till next year and still have a fifth-round option on him, and it's a year later, and you're one year closer to not having to worry about Jared Goff? Right. Exactly. You would have another year of, of that quarterback playing and you not having to pay him, unlike Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, where he, it's been three years. Yeah. it's has nope. a third year, Absolutely. and he still hasn't started. He's only played one game. He's only started in one game. It and they, they won it
1: was cuz Rodgers had COVID.
2: Yeah, and they they lost 10 to 7. Right. So it's it's like do you do you really want to do that? I don't understand that thought process really. It it is an option, yeah, but there's there's so much more talent at other positions on this draft. Right. Look at like this feels like another 2013 draft where the QB suck. They're all going to be either journeymen
1: or they're going to be out of here within 5 years. Right. That's kinda of what I'm thinking. Kinda of what I'm seeing. Man, I got Cajun's fans calling me a traitor. <laughs> Cajun Jack just tagged myself in a post. It says at me guys Matt to Cajun's fans. And it's a gif of Seth Rollins turning on Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose in the WWE. They were a they were a trio. They were a team. And Just out of the blue, on a a random episode of Raw, Seth Rollins decided to take a steel chair and nail both of them in the back and just turn on them. And that's what they're saying that I'm doing to to Cajuns fans everywhere. (laughs) Love that. I love love the support. I really do. Thank you. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, Zurich Classic was this weekend down in New Orleans. It's interesting with with the Zurich, it's the only PGA event that is a two-man group. It's a two-man team. And Xander Shifley and Patrick Cantlay were the victors of this tournament, shooting a team 29-under for the tournament. Louisiana resident Sam Burns and Billy Horschel, his teammate, finishing second at 27-under. Davis Riley, Will Zalatoris, at 23-under. You had Bubba Watson and Harold Varner, 23-under as well. It was a great weekend there at TPC Louisiana. And after the event, these two have teamed up together before, especially for this tournament. And Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shifley being two of the the better golfers in the world, you know, it, it was... They they both shot the ball very well all weekend long. They were in contention really from the jump. And, you know, again, the message from, from both of them in the post-match press conference was that it was just a natural feeling being, being teamed up again. And, you know, one thing that Patrick Cantlay touched on was they knew what they needed to do going into the final round
4: we knew what we had to do we knew that we it was comforting knowing that we had that five shot lead um, you know the wind's been up all week and can kind of get the best of you if you try and press in certain moments so um, we obviously needed that lead to be comfortable coming down the stretch uh, on that back nine to sort of play you know bogey free golf or just kind of playing for par in a sense so um, but no we, we sort of knew we didn't need to have a conversation about it. we kind of knew what we needed to do
1: and then lastly, here's Patrick Cantlay on his thoughts on their win with Xander Shifley.
2: Yeah, it was a great week. You know, second time we played this event, and we were looking forward to it since last year. And We really always enjoy being with each other, both on and off the golf course, and we both played exceptional this week
0: and had a great time doing it.
1: We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, Cajuns baseball. Three-game sweep in Atlanta. We'll talk about that. We'll, we'll give you the stats breakdown, and we'll look ahead to their series with App State. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The A2 Fay Festival returns to Arneville April 29th, Sunday, May 1st. The festival features carnival rides, food bingo, live musical entertainment, including Jamie Bajeron, on the Kickin' Cajuns, Chubby Carrier and the Bayou Swamp Band, and Clay Carmier and the Highway Boys, just to name a few. In addition to the music and rides, there's the Mayor's cook-off contest on Saturday, the A2 Fay 5K and a car show on Sunday. For more information, visit www.arnevillecatholic.org/a2fay-festival. Crunch time with me guys, and Mesh here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 104.1 in Lake Charles. The Cajuns after a, a tough loss to LSU last week eight to four responded well with a three game sweep of Georgia State in Atlanta. Georgia State entered this contest being in the top 30 in the national RPI. Cajuns winning game one five to four. Cajun's getting two runs in the first, one in the third, one in the seventh, and then one in the ninth, that ninth inning run coming off of a Connor Kimple solo shot to center field. Georgia State getting two in the third, one in the fourth, one in the sixth. Cajuns getting their five runs on 11 hits. Georgia State getting their four runs on 11 hits as well. Jake Hammond getting the win with three innings of solid work, allowing only one hit and striking out four. Brandon Talley and Bo Bonds each pitching three innings as well for the Cajuns with both scattering five hits and combining four Five strikeouts. Then on Saturday, it seemed to be more of the same for this team. A six to three victory this time for the Cajuns. One run in the third, one run in the first, three in the third, one in the fourth, and then another in the ninth. Georgia State getting two in the fifth, one in the ninth. Six to three, the final. Cajuns getting six runs on 11 hits with one error. Georgia State three runs on six hits and three errors. Connor Kimball getting his second home run of the series thus far. Connor Carson Rockefort adding a two-run shot a little later in the inning to make it four to nothing. And then Georgia State would try to to roar back, make it five to two in the fifth, but then the Cajuns getting an insurance run in the ninth before Georgia State adds another in the ninth as well to make it six to three. Interesting statistic from this series is that Carson not Carson Rockford Connor Kemple hit leadoff for the first time in a while in this series and and did very well 6 of 15 with two home runs he also had four RBIs hitting 400 from the leadoff spot when you haven't hit leadoff in a long time is is a is a solid weekend and then in the Sunday game Louisiana and Georgia State 14 to 2 in seven innings, Mercy Rule was in effect on Sunday due to the Cajuns having to travel back to Lafayette. The Cajuns got three in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, and then seven in the seventh. Georgia State getting their two runs in the second inning. 14-2 to the final. Cajuns getting their 14 runs on 15 hits with one error. Georgia State two runs on six hits with Two errors. Jeff Wilson getting the win on Sunday. He improves to four and one on the year, going a complete game yet again for the second time this season. Carson Rockefort being a big difference maker. It was 2-0 in the second, and he answers with a three-run jack in the third. You also had contributions from Warner Rinconis, Connor Kempel, Heath Hood, and Julian Brock. With the three-game set, the Cajuns improve to 23 and 16 on the year, 12 and 6 in the Sun Belt, while Georgia State falls to 24 and 16, 10 and 8 in the Sun Belt conference. If we take a look now at the latest Division 1 RPI rankings, this is games ending yesterday. Tennessee still sitting at number 1. Georgia Southern from the Sun Belt, they sit third nationally. LSU at number 17. You scroll down a little bit further, you got Alabama at 42, Louisiana sitting at 44 in the RPI ranks, Tulane at 48, Texas State for the Cajuns at 47, Louisiana Tech at 50, Georgia State takes a tumble down to 57 after the three-game sweep for the Cajuns. This was a series that the Cajuns desperately needed to increase their chances of being an at-large team in the NCAA regional. You know, you, you look at they're now top 40 in the RPI or top 45 in the RPI. You've got the fourth-best non-conference strength of schedule. You've got the 20th-best overall strength of schedule. The Sun Belt is sitting at the fifth-best league overall in the conference, I mean, in the nation. So... You're almost guaranteed to have at least two teams make the conference other make the regional other than the conference champion. So this is going to be prime opportunity for the Cajuns to strike with 15 games left to go in the season. You know, Matt Degg's today at his press conference talked about. You know, yes, there's 15 games left in the year, but if you could win, if you can do really well in those last 10. Those last 10 are going to go a very long way in increasing your RPI and increasing your strength of schedule, especially some of those games that are on the road. Speaking of sweeps, like we mentioned LSU getting a sweep over Missouri, how about McNeese sweeping Southeastern? They hosted Southeastern at Joe Miller Ballpark this weekend. Friday night it was 7-3. to Saturday it was 6-4. to and Sunday, it was eight to four for the Cowboys in this one with the win on Sunday. they improve on the year to 23 and 17, nine and six in the, in the Southland. Cade Morris hits a walk off Grand Slam Friday night in the 11th to win game one. and that seems to be what carried them through the rest of the weekend. Brad Burke will hit a walk-off two-run homer on Saturday to win that one. And then after back-to-back, uh, back-to-back walk-offs, McNeese just kept their foot on the gas, scoring four in the fourth with two home runs to win the game, eight to four. Once again, their record improves to 23 and 17, nine and six in the Sunbelt, while Southeastern falls to 17 and 23, seven and eight in the Southland. Let's update our Twitter poll question of the day. Is Matt Miguez a sellout for going to the LSU game? A lot of you, a lot of you have said yes. 68% have said yes. 16% have said no. 16% have said, what the hell? couple comment just to refresh you on the comments. Ton says not a sellout, just a local employee doing his job. It's a shame about Friday, though. One ejection away from, well, talking about my punishment had the Pelicans won both of their games in the Smoothie King Center. And then Caleb Broussard says, nah, but the guy's catching some heat. He's got to put food on the table, LOL, hashtag Go Cajuns. Adam Quibodo says yes on Facebook that I am a sellout. And then Robert Duplichon says, I can't listen to the show. Why would he be? Tonight, looking at the sports schedule, once again, the Astros playing the Rangers at 7.05. You also got a couple NBA games, the Nets and the Celtics, the Raptors and the 76ers, and then the Jazz and the Mavericks. Are the three NBA games tonight? Six o'clock on TNT for Boston and Brooklyn, seven o'clock on NBA TV for Toronto and Philly, and then eight thirty on TNT for Utah and Dallas. We'll take a timeout here when we return. We'll wrap up today's show. Get you set up for Tuesday here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: We love talking about sports. Yep. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Getting boppy on his victory Monday. Only got a couple minutes left, but I've got some comments on on social media that that I need to get to. Ralph Bergeron chimes in on the Facebook poll and says, Sell out? How about the 100,000 in Tiger Stadium while there's 10,000 at Cajun Field? And a lot of those 100,000 come from Acadiana. Ooh, burn. Ooh, got him. Okay, but here's here's what I really wanted to get to. So we posted the pictures of of me with the LSU gear on, on our Twitter page.
2: And Facebook and, and Facebook
1: and so my podcast, Rage and Review. Uh, one of my co-hosts, who's running the Twitter quote, tweets it with the you know the nerve, the nervous laughing faces. You know, I am talking about the one where like the teeth are showing, like eh, eh, So it's a bunch of those, right? A lot of comments on this one. Andrew Richard. Andrew Richard is a guy that I apparently really offended with th- this whole thing. Uh, he has been very upset about this. And he, he—it's a—it's a meme of a guy walking his dog, pointing way out into the distance, and it says, "Way over there is where you go with that BS." Okay. And then my buddy Lane Johnson comes in with a GIF of of Steve Carell going, "Ugh," like gross. Andrew Cassell, uh, a, a GIF of, of somebody vomiting, haha, <laughs> funny. But Caleb Broussard chimes in. And you know, he 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 backed me up on the game's Twitter page, but then he comes in on and Review and it's a guy taking a lawn chair and opening it up and said so now I'm like, "Look, I'm here for the gossip, I'm here for the mess. I want to I want to be a part of this." And then my good friend Mr. Cajun just simply says trash. Just straight up trash. So, I I just want to to let everybody know that that I'm really feeling the love here. Um, I think y'all are taking it well. Yeah, I think, I, I think I you're really, taking it well. I, I think I think I am. I, I really am. Um, I'm not at all salty. I'm not at all upset. Uh, that if I was, anything, I find this hilarious. That I was just trying to do my job, and I'm I'm getting attacked for doing my job. Uh, it's that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm not mad about it at all, just going to uh to say that, hey James, I didn't get to tell you when I was at the spring game on Saturday. guess who I got to meet
2: uh well, you told me you already met Wilson
1: right, I got to meet Wilson, which was cool. Wilson's awesome
2: and you didn't get to meet Joe Burrow, which d- was
1: pretty upsetting pretty upsetting it was it was uh but I got to meet the Dylan Sanders, oh, you did get to meet Dilly? I got to meet the Dylan Sanders uh nice guy he's a nice guy he he's a great student journalist um yeah he he was he was super nice super funny it was it was cool to talk to him and it was it was really cool to see l s u people that we have interviewed and put a face to the voice right because like yeah we have the pictures that we throw up on on the graphics on the simulcast but it's still different, you know, seeing them face-to-face.
2: Face. Yeah, like how when Glenn Gilbo or Ronnie Rance came in right. to fill in. Right. Uh, like, I had seen their face, obviously, online, but to actually meet them in person. And you see,
1: I saw Glenn at both the Pelicans game Friday night and at the LSU spring game on Saturday. I got to see Glenn twice in, in two days. Uh, so I felt special. 6-10,
2: six, six, just as advertised?
1: Absolutely. Definitely? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Glenn Glenn Gilbo is probably 68. Glenn Gilbo? Oh, Glenn Gilbo. I'm 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 thinking of Glenn West. No, Glenn West is every inch is advertised. That is a tall man. Glenn Gilbo on the other hand, not not so much. Not so much. Glenn Glenn did not get the height gene. He's he's probably chilling at a at a nice, you know, 59. Which, I mean, I can't say much over here at 5.11 and three quarters. Thank you very much. Big thanks to our guests, Jake Madison, as well as Wilson Alexander for the first edition of Tiger Talk. Tomorrow on Crunch Time when we guys in mesh. You ready for this? To the Moon Tuesdays with Apollo HOU. We'll talk about that. And we'll get you set for Pelicans Game four, game 5 in Phoenix tomorrow. That'll do it for this episode of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. <laughs>